How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony Williams. We're talking about the blood-brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier has limitations and vulnerabilities. It's only geared for the small stuff, not the big stuff. The small stuff, not all the poisons and toxins, environmental waste, and so much that we're up against every day. Our human body is not geared for the levels of exposure we experience on this planet. The blood-brain barrier never anticipated the industrial revolution and the classified medical industry where pathogens dominate the revolution. Convincing us that our blood-brain barrier can handle anything. Convincing us that our human body is equipped to handle anything is basically saying our human body is equipped to handle nuclear waste. We're told in many ways that we created here on the planet, so we should be able to handle it. We created it. We should be able to handle it. Our blood-brain barrier should have no problem, no problem at all, protecting us against anything, protecting us against nuclear waste, right? Or any kind of toxic material, right? Mac. Mac. But... Put the toxic barrels over there. Put the toxic barrels over there. Whoa, 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 you spilled it. You spilled it. Don't worry, don't worry. Your blood-brain barrier's got you covered. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to shower that off. Just get back to work. But our blood-brain barriers take care of all that toxic waste. No one, I repeat, no one is measuring the levels of toxins in our environment. No one. I know everybody thinks there is somebody. I know everybody thinks there's an agency. I know everybody thinks there's some kind of scientific body that it's all taken care of. That's what we're taught. We're taught that in school. Everybody's taught that in college. They're taught that at universities. They're taught that in high schools. They're taught that there's this universal knowledge or knowing that everything's taken care of, that everything's okay with the environment because surely, surely no one wants to destroy the planet that we live on. I mean, surely, but that's the problem. Nobody's really watching. Nobody's keeping an eye on it. And then there's the whole climate change thing. Climate change. Well, that means in some way that Somebody's watching over the planet, right? Like all the pollution and the toxins and environmental waste, it's all covered under climate change. So if everybody's so worried about climate change, then everybody must be monitoring some way, somehow, the destruction of the planet. There has to be some science behind that. There has to be some 
body of government or body of science that's actually keeping an eye on all of this. But that's where it's misleading. There isn't. On another note, did you ever think about the whole global warming thing? Remember, that's where it started. It was global warming. Science was saying global warming. We were taught in school that it was global warming. But what happened to global warming? The earth isn't heating up anymore. It's not warming up anymore. We were taught and told that it was ironclad, solid to the core, set in stone, that it was global warming. And suddenly it all changed. That's it. Now it's climate change. That means whatever happens, it just falls under climate change. But global warming? Don't even say that word anymore. You'll get laughed at. You got to just kind of like never even remember that phrase because science was wrong. That's why. And now climate change, science is right. But what about 10 years from now? Is science going to be wrong again? Because science isn't really right about anything. Because I'll tell you right now, when it comes down to this, nobody's really looking. No one's monitoring. It's just a bunch of talking heads. That's what it is now. It's not real science behind something actually trying to figure something out. Because no real science is watching over truly the toxic waste on this planet and the levels of the toxic waste. They're not watching the chemtrails as they're just falling down. They're not monitoring or testing what the planes are releasing in the sky that are being dumped in our lakes, rivers, on our fields, on our grass, on our lawns, on our heads. None of that is being monitored. It's just phantom. I was always told by my source since I was younger that it's global cooling, planets cooling down, a little bit at a time, but cooling down. One of the reasons is from the chemtrails alone, clouding up the sky, blocking the sun. That part alone is cooling down the planet, never mind other forms of toxic waste. What about planet Mars? Planet Mars is freezing. Temperatures drop, it gets real cold. Yeah, because there was toxic waste on that planet through wars, that planet self-imploded. Basically, lots of wars, lots of destruction. Planet was annihilated. Toxins everywhere in the atmosphere. And it just died. Absolutely just stopped and ceased and died. Mars is a dead planet. Just starting to probably come back and spring back to life in some way after a very long period of time. It's also a chilly planet. There might be some warm spots at different times just warm enough, but it gets cold and the temperature drops. After we destroy this planet at some point, the same thing's going to happen. But what does it matter? The blood-brain barrier takes care of everything. It stops everything from getting into our brain. It protects us. Everything's okay. Hey, you heard it out there. Don't worry. It has to cross the blood-brain barrier. Nothing can cross the blood-brain barrier, right? That's what we're told. So what does it all matter? Medical research and science, medical industries don't want to admit there are toxic heavy metals in everybody's brains. They don't even want to entertain the idea. And publicly known medical research and science 
they're in the infancy stages of just recognizing pathogens being responsible for chronic illness. If they're that early in understanding chronic illness, if they're at the beginning process of understanding pathogens being responsible for chronic illness, barely at the beginning process, then how advanced can they possibly be understanding our body's complexities, our mechanisms, such as the blood-brain barrier? Our blood-brain barrier was not meant to handle any of this. We act like it's this impermeable substance, this impermeable structure, this wall that stops things, that it has no limitations. We're taught that. No, don't worry about it. Blood-brain barrier's got it all covered. It can't get through there. Nuclear waste? Industrial waste? Solvents? Yeah, solvents. You're exposed to solvents every day and don't even know it. Toxic heavy metals? All someone has to do is use the term blood-brain barrier to make us feel like we're all warm and fuzzy and protected. Nothing could be wrong. Don't worry about that. You got a blood-brain barrier. And yet, the reality? All these things and more passes through the blood-brain barrier. Pharmaceutical companies, big pharma, they design drugs to pass through your blood-brain barrier. They try really hard to do it. Funny thing is, the drugs that they don't believe pass through the blood-brain barrier still pass through the blood-brain barrier. So what is our blood-brain barrier for? What was our blood-brain barrier originally designed for? Well, I'll tell you. To keep natural, mostly bodily toxins out of the brain. Like when someone has a little too much uric acid in their system because they have a weak kidney issue. If you have a weak kidney or kidney disease, your uric acid's building up in your bloodstream, that is not supposed to cross the blood-brain barrier. It's a natural phenomenon, a natural process. It's a natural bodily function fluid. It's a toxin our body is dealing with naturally. We have a kidney problem. We have uric acid built up in the bloodstream. It's not supposed to cross the blood-brain barrier. If someone gets a cut and it goes too deep and there's an infection developing and even sepsis could be possible from a blood infection developing from that deep cut, that infection is not supposed to cross the blood-brain barrier. That's what it's for. And get ready for this one. If someone ingests a toxic plant that's been on planet Earth for 10,000 years and grown naturally on the Earth and was never meant to be human food, the blood-brain barrier is there to hold back at least some of the toxins in an effort to prevent the brain from going into toxic shock. And still, toxic chemical compounds from that plant will still cross the blood-brain barrier, but some will stay behind. Our cerebrospinal fluid, which surrounds our brain and spinal cord, is supposed to be pure, the good stuff. It's supposed to be uncontaminated. It's supposed to be clean. That's the gold standard. In this time on planet Earth, our cerebral spinal fluid is not pure, though. It's not the gold standard. It's supposed to be, but it's not. It's harboring chemical soups from industry, pathogenic byproducts, toxic heavy metals, and a crap ton more. A thousand years ago, our cerebral spinal fluid may have just had 
some toxic heavy metals in it, but that's about it, from drinking water in the cities from lead pipes. There wasn't any industrial revolution plants all around the planet spewing out mercury and toxins and all kinds of other poisons. It didn't exist. It was just some lead from drinking water and the occasional drinking a mercury elixir thinking it might give you longevity or heal a chronic illness. Today, we walk around polluted. The blood-brain barrier has limitations. If an industry creates a battery, and then that battery sits in the car and it corrodes, and someone actually tries to change that battery, and there's battery acid that appears on the battery and then gets consumed accidentally, it's going across the blood-brain barrier. If a child gets a hold of a little battery and starts to chew on it, and the acid leaks and burns the child's throat, it's not just the burn on the child's throat that causes a lot of problems. It's the acid crossing the blood-brain barrier. Industrial toxins and mercury and other toxic heavy metals are going to enter the brain. They're going to cross the blood-brain barrier. When we think about the blood-brain barrier, we hear it, or we talk about it, it seems so strong. In our minds, it's like a barrier. We hear the word barrier. If you look up that word barrier, it's serious. It means like a wall. It means something blocking or protecting. Barrier. But really, it's really not like that at all. It's a thin construction it acts as a type of thin filtering wall of tissue. It's tissue. It's not this incredible wall built out of stone and rock. The blood-brain barrier is not even as strong as your skin. Your skin on your face. Skin on your arm. It's way weaker, way thinner than any of that. If you slap on some cologne or perfume right on your skin... It's going to go right through your skin, absorb through all the layers, and enter your bloodstream. The blood-brain barrier? Worse. Goes through it like it wasn't even there. And when that cologne enters your bloodstream, just breathing it in or enters it through the skin, it heads up and crosses the blood-brain barrier. There are many pharmaceuticals designed to pass through your blood-brain barrier. Morphine is one of them. It's one of the reasons why morphine can kill you so easily. It can cross through blood vessels of the brain and spinal fluid vessels fast. Remember this, all pharmaceuticals have toxic heavy metals in them. So engineering pharmaceuticals to cross the blood-brain barrier means the toxic heavy metals in those pharmaceuticals also cross through the blood-brain barrier, whether it's platinum, titanium, copper, Mercury, aluminum, were exposed via pharmaceutical pills, creams, and liquids, and more, and it all crosses the blood-brain barrier. And what about all the oxidation? People having toxic heavy metals in their organs, their livers, you know, medical medium information that got out there all these years, how metals are in our organs, and they're oxidizing. As they're oxidizing, they're leaching, and that runoff which is the oxidation coming off those metals, travels through the body. Well, that runoff, that oxidation, can also travel and cross the blood-brain barrier too. Science of research, medical science, doctors, 
none, no one knew the toxic heavy metals stored in small amounts throughout all the organs of the body and that a blood test taken doesn't catch that, doesn't see that. So when you get your blood drawn and they're looking for toxic heavy metals in there and they're really low, you could still have a high amount of toxic heavy metals in your brain, your liver, your pancreas, your spleen. Medical research and science did not know that. They thought the blood test determined how many metals you had in your body. And then the teachings of medical medium information getting out there for decades and the publishing of the books has changed everything. Now you'll see today when you get a blood test, a lot of blood labs are actually putting a little disclaimer on the document, on the test, saying we're only seeing what we see in the blood, but you could have it in the organs and tissue. And the crazy thing is, I can't tell you how many people I've battled, how many professionals in health throughout the years when I said, look, the blood test doesn't show everything with toxic heavy metals. It could be anywhere in your tissue, your organs, your brain, and the blood test doesn't determine it. Same thing with hair analysis. I battled so many different professionals on this, and now the blood labs put it on their documents as they're handing the documents out to people, their tests. Meanwhile, science hasn't studied or tested any of it. Where did they get the information? They didn't do a study. They can't measure it. They've never done a study measuring it. They're not biopsying people. They're not actually sticking needles in people's tissue and saying, well, your blood test says this, but we're actually doing biopsies on your brain and your tissue and your liver and your organs and your pancreas. And we're looking, woo, you got some heavy metals in there still, but the blood test says you don't have any. They're not doing that at all. Where did they get it? It came out of thin air? Well, I know where it came from. There's no study behind it and there's no signs behind it. It's a shame they don't cite the source. Other things pass through the blood-brain barrier, viruses and viral toxins. Now, viruses are small all in its own. Can you imagine a neurotoxin coming from a virus? Just think about how small that really is, a neurotoxin. It goes right through the blood-brain barrier fast and easy. And neurotoxins coming from viruses? Well, that's medical meme information as well. One of the reasons publicly known medical research in science doesn't even identify neurotoxins is because they're so small. When neurotoxins are excreted from the Epstein-Barr virus, shingles virus, HHV6, HHV7, simplex 1, simplex 2, and so many other viruses, when they're excreted, they are excreted in a liquid form. And then that liquid slips right through the blood-brain barrier. If classified medical research and science ever discovered neurotoxins being released from viruses, and they told publicly known medical research and science about it, then science would be completely halted on it. Publicly known medical research and science would not be allowed to do any more research on neurotoxins involving viruses at all. The reason? because it would lead to the discovery that viruses actually eat and go to bathroom. And this information about viruses releasing neurotoxins would compromise the gene theory, where medical science is trying to convince everybody on the planet they're sick because of their genes. There are certain varieties of Epstein-Barr that can cross through the blood-brain barrier, and there are varieties that can't cross through the blood-brain barrier 
but their neurotoxins still can either way. That's what Guillain-Barre syndrome is. Pathogens and pathogenic toxins and waste crossing through the blood-brain barrier. The pathogens that can cross the blood-brain barrier do so by latching onto the barrier itself and inflaming it all the way through. They slowly do tissue damage to the barrier so the pathogens can enter and cross, eventually permeating it and leaving microscopic barrier scars. Keep all of this in mind. As easy as it is to convince us that our blood-brain barrier is an impermeable presence that makes us impenetrable to the dangers that industries release into our world, all we have to do is look around us at the suffering on this planet to be reminded that this doesn't add up. If we want to save ourselves, we can't take advantage of our body's protective mechanisms. We can't take our blood-brain barrier for granted, but we do. We have to protect our brain and body. We have to bring every chance we can to our brain to protect it. And that starts with bringing awareness to the daily exposures in our mists. Our brains and bodies have not betrayed us. They've been betrayed by industrial chemicals and other contaminants in our everyday lives that have only accelerated in development in recent years. Original published medical medium information gets stolen and poached by podcast doctors, social media doctors, influencers, and medical clinics. Medical medium information has never yet been proven wrong by medical science and research. Instead, the opposite, only proven right and then taken from medical medium published material and used in the conventional and alternative health communities. Medical medium information continually sets the stage for medical science to understand chronic illness better. If you choose to share or use the original, unique content from the medical medium podcast, books, or medical medium social media, please cite where this information comes from so others who see and learn of this information have a chance to know where it all originates, to give them an opportunity to heal so they don't end up losing years of their life searching for answers like so many have before them. The medical medium information here on this podcast doesn't come from broken science, interest groups, medical funding with strings attached, botched research, lobbyists, internal kickbacks, persuaded belief systems, private panels of influencers, health field payoffs, trendy traps, or gathered bits and pieces of gimmicky confusion. Because chronic illness is exploding like never before in our modern day history, it takes a greater force than us down here. It takes a helping hand from above. Medical medium information has street cred. It's an organic movement of countless people around the world healing, more healing stories of real people not being paid to tell their life-changing experiences of rising out of the ashes of sickness and entering into the light of full recovery, getting their lives back and finally healing when nothing else in the world of health could move the needle and get them better. The information on this podcast is not man-made. It comes from above, from a higher source. Whatever you believe in, whether God, the universe, the light, or the creator, or if you believe in nothing at all, that we're just floating through space together on this rock. Know that the information you hear on this podcast is separate from all the other noise out there. It comes from a different place, a pure, untampered with, advanced, clean, uncorrupted, original, primary source, a higher source, spirit of compassion.